Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading is from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the, Lo the Lord our God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. The second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is the one, and beside him there is no other. To love him with all your heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God lasts forever. Amen. So friends, that great American evangelist, Reverend Dr. Billy Graham, he died just a couple of years ago. He was 99 years old. When he turned 95, he had some of his last public interviews, and one of them was with an interviewer from Newsweek magazine. The interviewer came to meet Dr. Graham at his home in Montreat, North Carolina. He had a marvelous conversation with Dr. Graham. He asked him to reflect on over 70 years of public ministry, preaching to millions of people meeting with American presidents and prime ministers and kings and queens of other countries. Dr. Graham did that, but then he surprised the interviewer and said, you know, God is still teaching me things in these days. And the interviewer said to Dr. Graham, well, uh, Dr. Graham, of all people, you've been at this for 70 plus years. What could God possibly still be teaching you? And Billy Graham said, God is teaching me to keep the central things central. Years and years ago, I used to worry about a lot of things. I used to argue about a lot of things. Lately, God has been teaching me, Billy, those things don't matter as much. Just keep the central things central. Then, thank goodness, the interviewer had the wherewithal to ask Dr. Graham, Dr. Graham, what are the central things? And Billy Graham said there are two of them. First, love God with all that you are. And second, love other people as you would like to be loved. Those are the central things. God is teaching me, even now, to keep the central things central. So, 
a student of scripture all of his life, Billy Graham got those words from this story we just heard Meredith read from the scriptures in Mark. Uh, Jesus is having uh, arguments, not a surprise, with a bunch of religious leaders of the day. They're going back and forth, and a scribe, um, a lawyer, comes up and decides he also wants to enter into the argument and trip up Jesus Christ. And he says, so which commandment is greatest of all? Because the lawyer knows, and Jesus knows, that there are 613 commandments in the Hebrew scriptures. He's trying to force Jesus to choose only one and to then disregard the other 612. Jesus answers the scribe. He says, there are two great commandments. The first one is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second is you shall love others as you yourself would like to be loved. Now something happens here in the story. It seems that the scribe, the lawyer, has a conversion experience. Because if you notice, when he first addresses Jesus, he doesn't say to him, sir or mister. He just says, what's the greatest commandment? Which is rather rude. After Jesus' answer, the scribe says, Rabbi, he addresses him as teacher. You are right. God alone is one. And to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as we want to be loved, this is greater than all the other commandments. The scribe has a conversion experience. And then Jesus turns to him and says, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Keep the central things central, Billy Graham says. Central things, Jesus says, two. Love God with all that you are and love others as you would like to be loved. What strikes me is that in these days, that really is what resilience is about. There's lots of conversation about resilience in these days. Um, how resilient will we be as a people? How resilient will we be as a nation, as a world? How resilient will our economy be? Resilience, the studies have been done by amazing scholars. Andrew Zoli and Anne-Marie Healy wrote a book titled Resilience, Why Things Bounce Back. And they centered on this key understanding that Resilience means you know what is important. You know what the central things are, and you stick with it. You don't get distracted by all the other possibilities of the day. You know what's important. You know your purpose. You know your calling, and you stay with it. Resilient people, they know why they exist, and they stick with it even in the hardest of times. So when I was in college, I became good friends with a student, another student named Mark, who was from Ock Bay, Alaska. Mark, like me, was a freshman, but he owned a 34-foot boat in southeast Alaska that was a gill netter. Um, it fished with him for salmon. He would hang this huge net in the water keep it taut, and salmon would get caught by their gills. Then he would attach the net to the front of his boat. 
he would press down on a pedal and this huge drum would begin to pull up all of these salmon caught in this net. He asked if I wanted to join him for that summer. It was awful, awful work, but it made great money, which helped a lot with my tuition and expenses for the next year. So I flew up to Juneau and joined him for the summer, he and a friend of his named Ryan, who already had fished with him before. My job was to help get the salmon out of the net as it came up over the front of the boat. As the newest guy on the crew in our little boat, my job was also mostly to watch the net, to make sure it stayed taut in the water. One night, middle of the summer, Mark and Ryan were taking their turn to sleep in the back of the cabin, a little cabin in the back of our boat. I was at the front of the boat making sure that the net was taut in the water. It was about two in the morning. I looked up and could see stars everywhere. I looked around and I could see other lights, which meant that there were boats all around us, a good sign because they also thought there was salmon in the area. It was gentle and I was exhausted. We fished for 72 hours at a time. Uh, we're watching the stars, I fell completely asleep. I was woken up a few hours later because the boat wasn't calm anymore. It was rocking now, rocking pretty significantly. And I remember looking out, and I couldn't see any more lights around us, which meant all the other boats had left. And I looked up, and I could not see any more stars, which meant that there were clouds over us. And I thought, you know, I, I should probably wake up Mark and Ryan and see if this is okay. And before I could do anything, Mark opened the door of the cabin, slammed it against the wall, and looked at me and looked outside, and he had terror on his face like I had never seen. Then he went back into the cabin and got this huge knife that I had seen before, he came out of the cabin, he went to the front of the boat, he reached down and did something shocking to me. He reached down and he sliced the net off the front of the boat. That net cost thousands of dollars. Then he ran back into the cabin, slammed and locked the door, put the knife away, and he began to motor up the boat. At this point, I was still outside, uh, and I remember looking at him through the window and thinking, I wonder, I, I wonder, should I be out here or should I be in there, Mark, with you and with Ryan? And then my eyes caught Mark's, and again, that look of sheer terror when he realized I was outside. He, he came around to the door, opened that little door, and I came up to him, and I said, Mark, should I be out here? And before I could finish my question, Mark was a smaller guy than me. He took me, and he lifted me up off of the lip, over the lip of that door and pulled me into the cabin. I remember that distinctly, thinking, oh, my goodness, you are stronger than I thought you were. Like, have you been working out? Like, that was amazing. And he slammed the door and locked it, then went back to the wheel he was motoring the boat, he was on the radio, and that's the time I first heard the words, Mayday, Mayday. 
This is the Misty Two, the name of our boat, little 34-foot bow picker boat. Over the next minutes, which seemed like hours, I remember the sound. I remember how loud the wind was. I remember that we would go into the bottom of a trough of a wave, and I remember looking around, and all I would see are walls of green. And then the waves would swamp our boat, and just when I thought we wouldn't make it, we popped up out at the crest of the wave. The whole time, Mark is motoring the boat. He's gunning the engine, he's turning the wheel, and he's yelling into the radio, Mayday, Mayday. I found out later he had made contact with a trawler which had left our area and was in one of the inlets a few miles away. I found out later that the captain of the trawler was asking Mark for the names of his crew and for his name because he didn't think we were going to make it and he wanted to report it to the Coast Guard. Mark refused to give him our names. He just told the captain, show me your lights, show me your lights. He begged him to shine his brightest lights into the Gulf of Alaska. I learned later that when we went down to the bottom of the trough of a wave and looked and saw nothing but green, all Mark would do is pause and wait. Then when we went to the top of the crest of a wave, Mark, he would do a 360, he would do a 360 and look and find the light, the trawler's light, and he would turn the boat. We'd go down to the trough, he would wait. He'd come to the crest of a wave, he would do a 360 and find the light, and he would turn the boat. We did that over and over and over again while Ryan and I are in the back crying, and Ryan is saying, we're going to die. We're going to die. I'll never forget the total silence. It's the sound that surprises me. So loud, the wind and the waves, and then, like that, just total silence because we had made it into an inlet. We had found that large trawler. Mark had found the light. Over and over again, in the midst of this incredible storm, when other people thought we were going to die, what Mark did was he kept on looking for the light and turning, even incrementally, turning us toward the light. Resilient people, resilient institutions, resilient communities, resilient countries, they know what's important, and they stick with it. They don't get distracted by all of the other distractions of the day. In the midst of a storm, we survived because Mark knew his purpose. His singular purpose was to stay with the light was to find the light, was to get to the light. Jesus said, there are two commandments. Love God with all that you are and love others as you yourself would like to be loved. That's it. Dr. Graham said, keep the central things central. 
Jesus' response to that lawyer, that scribe, when he saw that the scribe understood purpose, Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Friends, resilience comes from staying with our purpose. And then by the grace of God, you and I will hear the Lord say to us, you are not far from the kingdom of God. May it be so in these days, friends. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.